Where do you think you'd be on like the Hitman ranking? Oh, like 49. If it's out of 50, 49, no doubt. I'd be solid middle of the pack. I, I think the only time I've ever done anything competitive that had a ranking was yeah. mountain bike racing. And let's say there's 50 kids riding in it, and I didn't give yeah. a shit, but like I'm, uh -huh. I'm fairly athletic. I'd get like yeah. middle of the pack without trying. And <laughs> just, you know what I mean? Like, okay. I just, it's not a brag. It's not like, it's just a stated fact. I'm just like dead middle. So I'd be like 25 and I'd be like, you know what? I make my good money. I go home. Number one. Yeah. I don't care. I feel like I just have, like, I want to be good at everything that I do, but mm. I feel like I just want to have too much fun. You know, killing people. I just kind of want to fuck around. Well, I just want to like abuse my powers, not to like hurt people, but to like you know go on vacation and stuff. You know, like I I would like I'd wait to kill the guy until the last second, until like my my plane was about to leave and I had had my fun. You know. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say like I'd wait until the bad guy went to the Bahamas, follow him there, kill him, write off the whole trip as a business expense. I thought that's where that was also going. Also that. And I was I was excited. Also that, that, yes. <laughs> Honestly. Hawk! Triton! You drank Ian. Adam. You drank Ian. You like you like purple, right? Adam. Yeah. No! There's no flying in baseball! How are we supposed to know that the hipsters are so flammable? Skate or die, bitch. Ability to speak does not make you intelligent. No! Deep breath. Welcome back, everybody. Hajime Mashte, etc. I'm Henry. <laughs> I'm Dylan, and this is Frames and Fools, a movie podcast for me and Henry, two longtime buds, talk about movies. And this week, uh, we did our first uh, foreign language film, which mm -hmm. is, we're 23 episodes in. It's a little, uh, we've waited quite a long time to do this. Um, it's called Branded to Kill. It's a Yakuza movie. Uh, yeah. And it's pretty wild. Very um, wild. Do you know who it's directed by, Henry? I do. Um, Seijun Suzuki. And just a little note before we get into all this. Uh, call this the meat factory because we are going to be butchering a lot of names. Oh, yeah. Uh, and just going to really town. Really sorry. Going to town on some... Uh, some Japanese words and different things like that. Uh, uh, yeah, really no good excuse for yeah, it yeah, other yeah. than we are <laughs> not as familiar with the language. Um, but we just don't, we don't speak Japanese, so we're going to pronounce them like Americans. Uh, no, not, yeah. But anyway, before <laughs> before <laughs> we, we uh, get started, we like to do a little thing called Movie Moments, mm -hmm. uh, where we pick something from our week that was cinematic or yeah. felt like a movie, mm -hmm. and we tell you, we put it into your eardrums. So, Henry, do you have a movie moment? I do, actually. Um, so yesterday I went on a motorcycle ride. Um, and it was the day I was watching this movie for this episode for the first time. And before I went home and did uh -huh. that, uh, we were in this parking lot at the end of the ride. Most of the people had left and this, uh, rider pulls in this woman on a, uh, chrome plated 
older like vintage motorcycle and we thought oh sick so we all walked over to talk to her um, and it was this lovely woman named Akiko and she was on none other than a 1967 Honda 300 motorcycle whoa that's so cool I know like how crazy is that so we we picked a movie from 1967 from the um, Japanese like Yakuza subgenre and that day I see a Honda 1967 motorcycle pretty crazy that's awesome um, yeah the universe yeah, works so in that, mysterious that felt, ways exactly that felt very uh, I don't know profound <laughs> and she was super nice and she knew all these like vintage motorcycle community people that my dad knew which was mm-hmm. also wild so that was pretty cool but that was my movie that's moment. awesome that's very cool um, my movie moment, um, as I was leaving LA, I saw mm-hmm. this guy who was in like a Honda Civic and he was like, he was like fast and furiousing his ass down the freeway, like weaving through cars. Like it was very dangerous. Like what, what era Honda Civic? Cause they look cool these days. The newer Honda Civics look actually really sporty and cool. It wasn't like, Okay. I I feel a little hint of uh, the old Honda Civics aren't cool, which I'm just gonna gloss over and not not meant they, not talk about. <laughs> generic. <laughs> I would just I would just throw out the word generic and leave that to marinate right, with right. whatever connotations you want to throw okay. into it. I, I'm not a car person, but we we don't have to talk about. That. <laughs> uh, no, For it sure. was like a, a it looked like a 2015. I don't know. It was like not new, but like from this decade mm-hmm. or oh shit, last decade. Um, Anyway, so he's like weaving and he had like a dent in his door uh, and he was just like fast and furious way. And I was just like, that's super fucking dangerous. That dude is going to get fucked. So you, um, you know, so like, I love seeing that too with cars that have like these scars to them. And you're like, oh man, like, you know that this person has fucked up in one way or another and is completely unrepentant. Especially when they're driving erratically and you've there's a dent in their car and you're like, oh yeah, they've <laughs> these people don't know how to drive. Uh, yeah, so and then like 10, 15 minutes down the road, I see his car. The front of it is completely smashed in. There's like oh a God. truck that's just like sitting there fine. The guy who was driving the truck was out on the phone. And I, as I like drive past him, I see the guy who is driving that Civic with his hands over his face, looking up at the sky, just like fuck, and just like kind of pacing. <laughs> and like, holy so shit! So I, dri- I kept driving it. I like, I like tried to look as quickly as I could with that guy, but I only caught a glimpse of his like hands on his face, like ah no. So yeah, I guess that, oh, that was amazing. a pretty cinematic moment. Yeah, <laughs> that's a more yeah, cinematic that's incredible. moment. Than- that we've ever had. There's like I a beginning, middle, it. and end to that story. There's there's pathos. <laughs> it's there's an, like an actual arc. story, like an actual yeah. movie moment. That might be the wow. most legitimate movie moment we've had in a very long time. <laughs> I wrote mine down this week for the very first time because <laughs> how many weeks has it been where I'm like, well, I had a good one, but fuck me if I can remember. I it, forgot so. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. it happens. So, branded to mm-hmm. kill. Uh, Branded to kill. We're doing this as kind of a two-part. We're going to watch a samurai movie next week. Um, I had seen this movie on like on Letterboxd, and like I haven't seen it before, but it's been popping up in my suggestions constantly. Um, mm-hmm. it, 
partly because the Criterion uh, poster is really fucking cool. You should look it up. It's with the butterfly. Uh, yeah, it's Hannah does like face with the sunglasses and it's that pink butterfly. Yeah. Um. So I was like, that looks awesome, and it looks like a Yakuza movie. Like it looks like a just like a run of the mill Yakuza movie, like a good one. So I suggested Stern it. Faces and and dark suits, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, this is this is it, right? Um, and then mm-hmm. I watched it and I was like, oh, this is like, one, this is way more up my alley in terms of movies that I like. And two, this is not just like your normal Yakuza movie whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I, you suggested it. And I always, especially if it's something I haven't seen, I do some cursory research just to know what I'm getting into. And yeah. I neglected to ask you, because later you sent me a text and you were like, Hey, uh, sorry. <laughs> I did not realize that this was an absurdist send up of the genre instead of just, you know, yeah. Like it, it goes beyond just a staple flick of this genre that you and I, to be completely no, upfront, nothing know about. nothing about. Zero <laughs> yeah, percent about. So, so yeah, you sent me the name and I was like, cool, 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 cool. Oh, looks popular. Yeah, it looks like it's an important work. Um, all right, cool. Looks like it uh, is just this pedal to the metal mockery of this genre that ended up getting the director uh, fired and blacklisted for 10 years because he just went so wild on this movie to kind of stick it to the industry, which is fascinating. So I That's think. That's what is super fascinating. Yeah, in a weird way. Like, this is a just a cannonball of a movie to jump into a genre for the first time because it forced me to look at it without any sort of baseline. Like I have no idea what Uh it's subverting. Normally you and I can watch a movie, you know, a detective movie, a thriller, a horror movie. And part of the fun of it is you see how it plays with that genre, how it messes with your expectations. And that's most of the fun is going, Ooh, how clever are they that they did this thing and, you yeah. know, flipped it on well, its head and did this, that, and the other thing. And with this, zero context. Well, and that's what I find, like, super interesting. The whole, like, I'd never heard of this filmmaker before, and looking into him now, I've realized that he's made, he is quite a career and is quite a name within, like, Japanese cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really know much about it, but I found this uh, letterbox review, and it, includes a like little part from a uh from a french magazine review that somebody was interviewing uh like a japanese like historian like film historian or whatever and i'm just gonna read this real quick because i feel like we're gonna be talking about this kind of thing a lot um Mm -hmm. so i'm not gonna say their names because i can't pronounce either of them one of them is french one of them is japanese (laughs) go for it please go for it okay uh taco nakono (laughs) um but he's talking about the director and he says he didn't shoot such scenes in order to make the audience laugh he did it earnestly to please them and then roman solacombe it could be way off. Um, he says, French people have recently become interested in Senjun Suzuki. Uh, they may they think his films are a parody, are comedies, essentially. 
Um, and then the historian says, I see what you mean because his films could be interpreted in many different ways. And the reviewer says, so which viewpoint is right? Is Suzuki a naive artist creating something unintentionally avant-garde out of his attempts to outdo other Yakuza movies? Or is he a uh, parodyist, parodist, parodist, knowing, knowingly subverting his own genre? And after watching Branded to Kill, I'm more ever more than ever convinced that the answer for both questions is yes. <laughs> so Incredible. I think that's such an interest. I just that like take on it because it is really wild and really out there. Uh, but there, there is an earnest, like I want to excite people and I want to wow people, but mm-hmm. it's also, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting uh, mix. Yeah, and I think there's also a factor that has to be mentioned that um, Japanese films, both live action and anime, in my experience, watching them with um, people who did not grow up with that film culture, even the most serious Japanese films um, tend to have differences in the performance that can feel comedic to an unfamiliar viewer. Um, mm-hmm. oh, and you yeah, could yeah. dive into that and you could explore whether or not that, you know, has qualities to it or, you know, something more sinister under the surface. But yeah, the reality is there's different ways of expressing and there's the way that we have Shakespearean traditions. You know, Japan mm-hmm. has these traditions in their own theater that, lead to this different classical base so when someone emotes on screen it's coming from this different core Um, yeah yeah this is a a weird movie to kind of explore that because it is so (laughs) amped up yeah Um, but at the same time i definitely saw things in this where i'm like oh i've seen that and it's been posited to me like in a akira kurosawa film um you'll see a lot of characters particularly like the lower class characters but not just, you know, limited to them. You'll see characters emote in this way that can come off as overly dramatic and comedic, and yeah. it's not meant to be that. Well, it's I got like the sense with this that it was. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And that's the other lens you have to watch it through is this is from 67, right? So, um, and it's right smack dab in this new wave movement as well where – I had to just kind of pinch myself throughout the movie and tell myself if this doesn't make sense or if it seems weird and disjointed and artsy, it's because it's in this era where that was cool. Even if it wasn't cool in in this industry and if it wasn't cool on this side of the globe, it was happening at this moment that like the in crowd was like, let's make shit that is wild. Well, and that's something that I also want to bring up is I read somewhere that um so he got brought on to this project because the studio the director the yeah the director was brought onto this project because the studio had this script and they weren't happy with the way it was being developed so they'd worked with this guy before and they brought him on um and they said like we just want like a just a regular fucking just a regular yakuza movie just make it normal mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so i respect the hell out of people who do this when somebody says hey can you do it this way and they just go <laughs> No, and they just do the complete yeah, opposite right. of of everything that they want. But I read somewhere that he, the reason why a lot of this is disjointed and like 
he'll shoot characters looking one way and then cut to a reverse shot of the other character like 10 yards away having like a close in conversation totally is he would do that because it was more entertaining for him he was just like this is more fun it's like he would shoot these these things these way because they're more like engaging and he had like no regard for the story not no regard for the story but I just have a profound respect for people who kind of shoot from the hip. Uh, and from mm-hmm. what I read, he was also kind of making a lot of this shit up as he went from the, I've like, got a quote the, for that. Yeah. Yeah, please. I would love to hear it. So it says, and this is pulled from just the Wikipedia article, which was fairly substantial. Um, but it says Suzuki did not use storyboards and disliked pre-planning. He preferred to come up with ideas either the night before or on the set as he felt that the only person who should know what is going on or who should know what is going to happen is the director. He also felt that it was sudden inspiration that made the picture. And that influenced the way I watched it (laughs) as well, because there is this sense, even with the kind of new wave filter, you watch it through, there is this sense of fuck it. Like I just want this to happen because you're right. Like there'll be scenes where they'll be talking and there'll be a character and they're talking in a low voice to somebody. And then they'll be like 50 yards apart. <laughs> so far away, yeah. <laughs> or even they'll be in yeah. the same room, but they'll be talking and then their eye line will be completely off. The one or, that comes to mind well, for me is the one where they're, they're at like a, a courthouse or something and he's leaning up a wall, up against a wall. And uh, I love that one. Misako yeah. is like like it's he's talking and you're like is this voiceover who's he talking to and then you see her walking down the steps and you're like Mm -hmm. oh she's all the way the fuck over there and they're talking yeah and there's something that's so like i don't know i just yes i really enjoy things that completely break your like understanding of what movies can and should be you know, like in this day and age, we're yeah. so like hell bent on like, would this really happen in real life? This this isn't mm-hmm. this doesn't make any sense, you know. And like, well, it, watching it something demands like this is super suspension refreshing. of disbelief. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. just ask for it. It says, You're believe not this be able to- <laughs> or reject it, because yeah. if you don't, yeah. you're done. Like you, yeah. you should just leave because they're talking to one another. Fuck what you think about it. These two are having a whispered conversation. And he's yeah. around the corner and down the block, but they are and, talking to one another. So just deal with it, bud. Like this is a very odd comparison, but it reminds me of why I like the Fast and Furious franchise so much. There's a scene in Fast Eight where Dominic Toretto and I can't remember her name, but his like girlfriend, they're in two separate cars with the windows rolled up and pretty far away from each other. And they have a whole scene where they're talking to each other. No phones, no radios, nothing. They're having an intimate conversation while going 80 miles an hour down like a desert road. So, <laughs> and it's like those little things that are that's stupid, but I just like filmmakers asking people to say like, put your brain at the door and you can yeah. get it when you when you get out, you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, and on the on the far end of that too is like the first Avengers movie, that final battle, all the Avengers talk to one another the entire time. Yeah, and they don't have radios. They don't. They don't have earpieces. Nothing. And it took somebody going, wait a second, 
And then everyone went, hey, yeah. And then the rest of the Avengers movie, they had little earpieces and stuff that they would just, you know, place on the back of the ear yeah, or whatever. And it was cool. Ear. And it was it was a good fix. And it was fine. Yeah. But it was one of those things where it was like, oh, man, that doesn't fucking matter until no. somebody points it out. You know? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter at all. Um, I think it's pretty wild and awesome that, like, his whole concept of just, like, shooting from the hip, you know, only I should know what's going on. Uh, the movie itself, the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous. It's a it really is. like visually stunning so, film. Let's let's get into the genre first, so that we can talk about this film in particular, because I think the context made me respect this that much more. Um, so Yakuza, Yakuza. I'm Yakuza. not sure which one. That you sounds go with. right. That sounds Yakuza. right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, anyway, I don't need to get into English versus Japanese, but there's, like, linguistic differences in the way you pronounce things that's fascinating to me. But anyway, Yakuza. <laughs> I'll go with Yakuza. Bonus episode. So, yeah. so Yakuza films um, emerged post-World War II. Um, they often featured this sense of chivalry. Uh, they also dealt with, like, tradition uh, versus, uh, ma- like, mod- modernity. M- modernity? Fuck. I don't know if I've ever said that word out loud. Modernity. 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 That's a weird word. Tradition versus modern, right? Um, And a lot of times they were very formulaic and they they featured like a gangster choosing a friend over the gang at large or a good gangster who played by the rules and like a code of honor versus corrupt gangsters that were just in it for the money. So there were these often repeated themes. um, And there were also like these you know, kind of new versus old aesthetics going on. And there were modern and Western touches. So like the protagonist would be in like the latest model of car versus Mm -hmm. like the old guard sort of older gang members who were more the status quo. So there were these interesting things going on that kind of reflected Japanese society at large as these genres often do. Mm -hmm. Um, Got a good quote here from this article from offscreen.com. Uh, I didn't write the author down, I'm sorry. Uh, But it goes, quote, In the 1960s and 70s, Yakuza films reflected the times they were made, both in content and style. While, oh God, while (laughs) Ninkyo Aiga updated a long-standing genre to express uneasiness with modernity by having symbols of it being defeated by traditionalist heroes, Nikatsu action films, Nikatsu being the production company this movie was made uh, for. Uh, Nikatsu action films produced a semi-parody of the form to express uneasiness with the traditional and celebrate the modern and the international. In the battle series, uh, oh god, the type is so small, uh, (laughs) Fukasaku criticizes both anti-modernist nostalgia and modernity, modernity, Fuck. Particularly when it is in the form of Americanized culture. This critique is not only in the de-glamorized content, but in the raw style that rejects the pictorial beauty that had arguably been a defining characteristic of Japanese cinema. End quote. So you've got a lot of things going on. You've got a country struggling with national identity um, post-war, so post-defeat on this national stage. It's been demilitarized. Um, It had already been struggling with identity after basically being forced to 
join the world, right? Like they were closed yeah. off for a long time and had a very strong sense of tradition and, you know, Japanese values. And then all of a sudden, basically, uh, England was it England or America that was like, fuck you, you're going to trade with us. Um, Sounds like both of them probably. Yeah, right. So then past that point, there was this sort of internal battle in the country between Western ideals and, you know, tradition and Japanese ideals. So this this genre sounds like it was exploring that almost more than anything. Um, Interesting point. This is like super minor, but in culturally, mm-hmm. uh, I, re- I read a lot about Japanese baseball and the exact mm-hmm. same thing that's hap- that is happening in these Yakuza movies kind of happened in baseball. They only allow like... Interesting. Like to a certain point, they only allowed one or two like westerners to play in the in their professional baseball league and mm-hmm. it's it's just really fascinating the whole their whole idea of like i don't know tradition sure. and and na- not nationalism yeah but, it's you know. a and i'd love to learn more because it, it is kind of this fascinating case study of it's an island nation right they're closed off they have their own thing going for so long even up to the point where they know that they're not alone and they know that there's this world that's changing around them and they chose to be closed off and then to be forced not once but twice basically forced to open up to the world and then they lose this war and they're basically put in this place where like, well, we have to pivot and we have to figure something else out because we don't have a military. Well, I guess we'll just get real good at manufacturing and we'll get real good at these other things and, you know, carve this world for ourselves. But you know, to grow up there. I mean, um, Seijun uh, Suzuki, who directed this film, fought in World War II and came back. Oh, and, damn. Yeah, so his career is coming out of that as well. So he's part of that generation. Um, so now we get to this movie. Like you said, um, this was conceived as a low-budget hitman film. Um, the Nikatsu Company did a lot of these uh, Yakuza-oriented movies. Uh, they had a standard shooting schedule, which was one week for pre-production, 25 days to shoot, and three days for post-production. Um, That's awesome, this, man. This followed... <laughs> so I know, dude. Awesome. This made me want to go make a movie. This made yeah. me want to go make a movie. Uh, yeah, so like this was shot you know, in the normal amount of time. Uh, there were some pre-production woes, right? Because they wanted to rewrite the script. But, I mean, the director ended up doing a lot of it on the fly. This movie yeah. was edited in one day. What? In really? one day. Yes. It was finished editing the day before honestly. it was released to the theaters. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. Um, and part of that was because the director had experience before, I think, as an assistant cameraman. So he was very keenly aware of what shots he needed versus Uh oh like it'd be nice to have this shot it'd be nice to do like you hear a lot of that these days of directors saying let's do one for safety or let's let's do a couple extra this guy is the exact opposite of that he's like we have exactly what we need let's move on and that's an interesting i think that's what's so exciting about that like shooting schedule um and somebody i know one of my friends that they shot a feature and something that they told themselves also is like they only had like seven days to shoot it or something. And they're like, no coverage. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea was to trust, to like trust that, you know what you need mm-hmm. and to like really get in there. 
and test your knowledge. Mm. So the fact that it's incredibly Im- Im- so impressive to me when directors know exactly what they need. Like Edgar Wright comes to mind with this stuff because like his brain works in such a way where like he knows exactly how everything is going to piece together. I don't know how he works on set, but like when you go on set and you're like, I need this, I need this, I need this. And that's it. That's all he just that has I need. such a strong preconception of what needs to happen in order to put yeah. these pieces of the puzzle together. And it's more about that product than it is about yeah. a safety net of, oh, let's get a bunch of, you know, wide well, sets yeah, and yeah. inserts and, you know, let's get the scene from five angles just in case. And instead it's no, let's just get what we need. To me, it with Suzuki, it makes it seem like he just knows what you what you're gonna need to make a movie. He doesn't necessarily know, or he didn't know the like exactly how it was gonna look, but he'd done it so many times that he was like, "All right, this is what we're gonna need to piece this together." So we mm-hmm. need this, we need that, we need this, and it kind of reminds me of Ridley Scott because the the I mean Ridley Scott shoots with like five different cameras, so he gets a bunch of coverage, but hearing him talk about movies, he just knows how to piece, he knows what it takes to piece them together. Cause there's a couple interviews mm-hmm. where they ask him like, is it stressful making movies? And he just like calmly kind of assholely sits back and he's like, not really you just like prep it. And then you go shoot it and then you edit it and you're done. It's, it's a prep <laughs> question. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. funny because <laughs> you know, done. it's, I feel like that gets into the mental aspect, right? Like Suzuki's like, we'll figure it out. And he trusts his gut. Somebody like Ridley yeah. Scott goes, we'll just get a bunch on the day of, we'll come in, you know, on schedule. Who knows, like, if we're, you know, on budget or not, but we'll come in on schedule and then we'll proceed with putting it together, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just, I, I find it so fascinating how everyone works and how it shows in, like, certain films, you know? Like, how yeah. that how that sort of energy comes across, you know? Yeah. So this was made in 1967. The budget was uh, 20 million yen, which if you adjust for inflation and then convert it to USD in 2020 is $725,000. So that's, that's not a bad chunk of change. Yeah, that's it's not like, bad. And frankly, yeah. the movie looks good. So I get it. I mean, it's beautiful. Uh, we haven't spoken about any of the talent, but uh, Joe Shishido, who is the... Uh, the lead was very high profile in this genre. So he was. I think he was in a bunch well of known. his other movies too. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So they'd worked together. So, so I mean, and it looks good. The movie is put together well. Um, it feels almost as sophisticated as any of the movies from this era. Um, I mean, in terms of the camera work, there was a lot mm-hmm. of shots in there that I was like, this is like. This is some J.J. Abrams camera. Like, these are, like, legit-ass camera moves. Yeah. And he must have had a very good relationship with that cinematographer, especially if it was being made up on the fly and he didn't use as much uh, storyboarding. Mm -hmm. Um, Because some of these shots, knowing that, watching this, I it boggles my mind. I don't know what he (laughs) did on set to be like. Because I'm just picturing, like, our buddy Nate showing up the day of and being like, all right, Nate, um, I'm going to need this shot where you're going to have this and then the car is going to come near <laughs> you. You're going to pan up as this guy yes. rises up with his rifle 
uh, and like trying to get him well, to do that. Like I can hear him panicking from here. His cinematographer shot all of his other movies, so he's worked with this guy a bunch. There you go. And so I'm assuming that you, you know they're they're on the same page when he says like totally. And I'm so excited to talk about the frames once we get through the movie because uh, this was one of the few movies that I had like a lot. I kind of did a U because there's so many Good. striking images. Uh, Good. But so now that we are like almost halfway through the show, uh, this movie is essentially about a hitman who uh, gets contracted to do a couple hits and then one goes wrong and he accidentally kills a civilian. Um, and then he, his wife is cheating on him with his boss and he meets this like, like, this woman with a death wish when his car breaks down um, and mm-hmm. he ends up falling in love with her and can't kill her because he's just like, I love you so much. I can't like fulfill your death wish. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty wild. So like, those are the bare bones of like kind of what happens. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, he, the number one assassin, there's this like ranking system of assassins. He's number three on the list. Uh, and number one has come to kill him because he botched the he botched the job. Um, mm-hmm. And there's this whole sequence where like he's in the same apartment with the killer because the assassin's trying to figure out a good way to kill him. So they spend like a week just like kind of hanging out together. It's very very odd. Um, but in the end, he kills him, and then gets killed. It's pretty rad. So that those are the this those are the yeah the the spark notes <laughs> ends up killing the the femme fatale sort of stand in uh, yeah Misko and it, yeah it's so I, I watched maybe half two thirds of this and was struggling so hard because I thought that there was deeper themes going on I'm very intimidated by new wave cinema I'm very intimidated by sort of film school stuff because I didn't, uh-huh. you know, I didn't, I ran in those circles, but I didn't go to those classes. I didn't, you know, sit in on those assignments and hear uh-huh. why, you know, fucking French new wave changed things or like what the, but, but so I have this insecurity where I just, I feel like, you know, I think that there's something deeper that I'm not getting. So I'm watching it and I'm thinking like, fuck, like, what am I missing? Like, I'm thinking like, <laughs> Like what's what's going on? Uh, yeah. Do I need to be understanding something I'm not? What's what you know this that and the other thing? And it just yeah. and then I did some research halfway through because I was dying. I was just like, what the fuck is going what is on? Going what's on? happening? <laughs> and read up on it and everything in all the usual places that usually kind of elucidate what's happening. They were like, oh no, this movie does not make Bad sense. Shit. Like yeah. throw logic out the window. Yeah. This, like, he got fired. Like, he turned this in, got fired by the studio, <laughs> and then sued the company for breach of contract, winning, yeah. bankrupting the studio, and then got blacklisted for 10 years yeah. because this movie doesn't make sense. <laughs> and the studio said, like, the one of the heads of the studio said, this movie makes no sense and made no money. Something like yeah. that. There was some really good quote, but... That made me feel so much better, and then I went back into the movie and felt way more at ease and just watched yeah. it like, cool, great. It's it's a series of send-ups and vignettes and, you know, little I did, episodic things. 
I kind of did a similar thing where the first 10 minutes I was like, this is pretty wild. I was like, is this because I came into it thinking this is a Yakuza movie, just like a normal one. So like when he starts like slapping his wife a bunch and there's that like crazy sex oh, scene God. where they're yeah, dude. they're they're like, but yeah. like she's into it and like he's into it. It's no. This, yeah, this for real. Wild. Like he <laughs> smacks her and like calls her a slut or something. And for yeah. a second I thought, oh, this oh. is going to be the weird this is the first episode where we're going to be like, I don't oh, know. Man. And then she's like, yeah. We're beasts. <laughs> oh, she's like, we're no. both beasts. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we're both beasts. And then there's so just like, this montage of them having sex in all these like improbable crazy. places, like at the top of a spiral <laughs> staircase. And there's just so much. We, we got to talk about well, the nudity in this. It's incredible. And some other things. But I got to that point and I was like, this is pretty fucking wild. This is this is what you could like. This is nuts. So I like I kind of looked it up and I just saw like um, absurdist and I was like, okay, all right. Like and I sat back down. And I was like, okay, cool. Like this is all that I need to know. I just need to know that this and is supposed I, to be kind of. I bad had that nuts. warning. <laughs> like when you told me about it and I looked at it, I saw that and I had that warning and I still went into it like, what, what the, the hell? Fuck? Because I don't have that baseline. Like I have no yeah. notes to compare it to. So I'm just like. Out on a tightrope with no safety yeah. net, like trying to walk this line and trying to be like, uh, like, I think, are there I mean, usually, is, is there usually this much nudity? Like, are there usually like <laughs> weird, maybe ghosts characters that show up with a bunch of like butterflies that may or may not actually be I there? I love that. Like, that the whole butterfly happening? thing with all the dead birds, it, it mm. brought up, this is just a bigger theme and a bigger conversation, but it, it brought up something that I've been thinking about a lot in terms of like, like what is a good movie, right? Mm. And yes, you can subjectively like, I mean, you can, you can say like, this is factually a good movie, but at the end of the day, like for me, from what I've come to like realize is that filmmaking is art right so like if you go look at a painting mm. and you're like i like this and somebody next to you is like well the strokes are fucking trash and uh it didn't seem like they had any idea what they were doing and you're like i like it though it makes me feel good like it makes me feel a certain way <laughs> I, i'm yeah. like I, i've started to apply that to films because there's some stuff like this that really kind of makes no fucking sense there's like a, a rough plot but like yeah. I watched it and I fucking dug it. Like I had a good time. And there's scenes I'm not quite where sure what happened. People are yeah. shooting at each other and you're like, I don't know who this is. I don't, I don't know, know who those guys are. <laughs> where they are. I don't know why he's yeah. here. I'm lost. But yeah. it's kind of what you're saying where I feel like the onus is on you to recognize and honestly thank God for comic books and libraries because when I was a kid and I'd go to the library and they'd have volume three of x-wing rogue squadron and i'd be like great pick it up and start reading i have no idea (laughs) no idea who anyone is i literally had a comic as a kid that i i read it over and over because it's like you know one of five comic books i had i read it over and over and i loved it and there's this one part that made no sense like something was happening and then i flipped the page and all of a sudden we're somewhere else and i'm like who the fuck's that guy whatever yeah and just kind of went with it (laughs) yeah and it took till i think that book got thrown out i think i think i like fucked up as a kid and like the way i was punished was like i had to throw the book out or something it was pretty fucked up Aww. but like later in life i bought that comic as like this nostalgic like nah, yeah I'm gonna, I, i'm gonna go get that and i bought it and read it and 
I get to that page and I turn it and it turns out my old copy had two pages stuck together and I never knew. <laughs> and it didn't fucking matter because yeah. that jump, I just went, huh? Oh, comic books am i right yeah and just like it didn't yeah fucking you roll matter it. so I mean, yeah i kind of grew up with this comic book sense of like look fuck it like it's that's all the same characters it's the serial thing you're gonna return to it like unless somebody dies and you have no idea what happens but it's kind of this like yeah. sense of patience and this sense of acceptance that you kind of embody where then knowing a medium and knowing the way films are constructed you can approach things and go well they could have done that better or they oh like i'm confused and i don't think i should be with a movie like this it's a different game but something like let's say gemini man where it's this (laughs) conventional action thriller that's trying to be palatable it's trying to be cohesive and it's trying to be coherent and then when that fails or when there's moments like what what are they doing? What's happening? Yeah. That feels a lot more like a failure to me than something yeah. artsy that's bucking a trend. Well, so my I, I would I just had this conversation with somebody after the motorcycle ride. We were talking about horror movies and art versus entertainment and like yeah. that exact thing, like technical application of blah 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 and like how it makes you feel versus everything else. But I would anyway. argue that with Gemini Man. If somebody likes Gemini Man, cool, man. Like that's Fuck I'm yeah. glad that you get more something power out to of him. it. Hell yeah. Yeah, and the more that like I have movies that I hate. Like I hate Jurassic World. I despise that movie. But <laughs> something that I've realized is if you start looking at films less as stories and like strict storytelling and more as just art, you're going to mm. like a lot more shit. You're going to like a lot more movies because you will see things that you enjoy yeah. and you don't have to put the stamp on it of, well, the story doesn't really make sense. I don't know what's going on. you know. And it's like, well, just mm-hmm. this moment is really nice. Like this is yeah. a moment that you're feeling. So like experience that, you know, it's like any other mm-hmm. art form, you know. We're currently knee deep in, and I put this in quotes, film critique bullshit like yeah like the youtube climate where it's it's all about drivers totally yeah. and it's and it's the curse their name now and forever cinema sins-esque um, i'm gonna bleep that you out you know <laughs> method of you know just pointing out things that are and i put this in quotes wrong with a movie wrong and yeah. it's it's kind of this uh entry level I, like Looking for goofs in a movie, like looking for the camera team in a mirror or looking for continuity errors is fun. And it's we all went through that phase where that was like really fun to do with movies. And that was a fun bit of trivia. Like, yeah, oh, we were in, in high shot, school. You we can were 16. see like Darth Vader's eyes behind <laughs> his yeah. blah, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I hope that everyone grows out of that, especially people who have experience in film and know how fucking hard it is to yeah. make a movie. And we've landed in this thing and a lot of this comes down to fandom, but we've landed in this era of, and I put it in quotes again, film critique where it's about, (laughs) well, this doesn't make sense. And what if this, and what if that? And it's like, that's fun until it takes away from it. Like for me, it's so much fun to tear things apart. And like, we grew up, you know, shitting on the prequels because we love them. And it came from a place of love. And 
you still get transported, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still get transported by those moments, like you were saying. Like, if you can go into that movie and just, you know, allow your suspension of disbelief to be flexible. Because I don't even think it's, we talk about that contract when you buy a ticket and walk through the door. Yeah. But it's also this flexible thing of if a movie confuses you or if you're like, what the fuck is going on? You have to kind of, you know, move with that. And it might be a failure on the filmmaker's part. But I feel like it's my responsibility to f- to first assume that I'm not seeing something. Yeah, yeah, it's your you job know? to roll with it. Yeah, I I want on that point before we move to our next point. Uh, there's a great line in Last Black Man in San Francisco where the main character says, "You can't hate it unless you love it." He's specifically talking about San Francisco, yes. but yes. that that line always rings true to me for anything because if you're shitting on something and you like you don't like it like you just you already don't like it i'm like you can fuck off you know like i love the prequels and i'm gonna shit on them all the fucking time because they're mine Mm. and i like them you know it's like and it feels so weird when somebody does it the wrong way almost right like when someone's just shitting on something and you can't sense that love behind it you're like oh oh no 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 no, you can't say that (laughs) and it's something you said a week ago if you have a shitty car you know you walk up to a shitty car and you're like here's my piece of shit and your friend is with you, and they're like, yeah, what a dump. And you're like, don't fucking say that. <laughs> like, don't say that about my car. <laughs> this is my piece of shit. Yeah, this yeah. is my piece of shit. You're not allowed to say that. Um, so I want to talk about uh, the first three assassinations that he makes. Uh, he One, he kills the optometrist through the pipes after the optometrist like takes some dude's eye out, which is just nuts. Oh, um, that was the, uncomfortable, yes. <laughs> super weird. The second one, he kills somebody coming out of a um a a lighter, like a billboard mechanical like oh, lighter yeah. thing. And the gun like pops out of the little lighter. There were 007 vibes. There's there's one where there's That's like what a I, billboard yeah. and part of it flips open and yeah. super influenced, yeah. And then the last one, which is even more nuts, is he's floating on like a hot air balloon and floats up to a window and kills the guy. And I couldn't help but think James Bond. And there's a lot of James Bond influence throughout this whole movie. Mm -hmm. Not even just like Yakuza movies, like the whole idea with his wife and the like the femme fatale with like the death wish like that is mm-hmm. there's a lot of james bond action going on too with the cool cars and and all the shit which well, is even rad. down to the uh the rice sniffing fetish that he gave <laughs> the killer Sorry, that's yeah. kind of this joke throughout um yes. i saw it written somewhere that somebody said that's this movie's shaken not stirred he shows up in the bar and he's like He's like boiled rice, like get me boiled rice. And the guy's like, sure. But it's played in such a funny, serious way where he's like, this is what I need. Like, this is my thing. He says, I love the smell of boiled rice. It drives me wild. Drives me wild. Yeah. And it's just intercut with these like ridiculous, like insane like sex scenes that he's got this is weird but i also love the smell of boiled rice i don't know if anybody is this a confession this is kind of a confession because when he was like i love the smell of boiled rice and there's those shots where he opens the rice maker and it like steams up on his face i've Mm -hmm. done that before and i feel really weird now that everyone's like but how did it make you feel (laughs) 
drives me wild. No, it doesn't. I'm not. It doesn't wild. drive me wild. It's not. I don't like get off to you know boiled rice, but that was nice. But those moments are really fun. It's 2020. Um, no judgment. <laughs> I also really love that. Uh, there's the one scene kind of at the beginning when uh, the one of the assassins, the drunk, convinces him to help him out with the hit. Uh, mm-hmm. And they yeah. they go to do it, and uh, the drunk just loses his fucking mind. And is like, I gotta get close to yeah. him, and he starts running at the guy, um, and then gets murdered. And then you find out that, uh, oh, the guy that they were transporting at first, it wasn't for a hit. They were transporting another guy. That was the job. And yeah, just like a convoy, kind of like for some guy protect this guy. And he's yeah. like, that's it? That you're paying me for that? Yeah. yeah. And then there's that one moment where he's like, I got to protect this guy. And then he goes to protect him. And all three of these like henchmen dudes have already been shot. And the guy that he's supposed to protect is like, cool, it's cool. I got it. And then at the end of the movie, you find out that he is number one. He is the number yeah. one assassin. So mm-hmm. those two little moments, I was like, cool. That's like, that's fun. I like, that's like a cool little, little yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, the action in this was interesting. The uh, the shoot 'em up stuff. It somebody I, I can't remember the exact way they phrased it, but essentially they framed it as like this movie has all the little treats that you get from a film like this. They're like it's got yeah. just pointless nudity. It's mm-hmm. got action scenes. It's got flashy shots. Like it's you show up, and I think I think that that idea of like this is what we show up for can get lost in sort of, I don't know, critique or whatever you want to call it. But there is a certain like base pleasure to showing up to a movie and being like sweet nudity, violence, (laughs) cool, flashy shots. This is what I'm here for. And I think that that's sort of, it's like, it's a core, it's a core pleasure that like you can, I mean, I I, I did that yeah. plenty of times when I was like a high schooler specifically. Like I would watch a movie that I then later found out was actually a very, like I feel like Michael Clayton or something. Like I would watch movies and I'd be like, yeah, oh, this is kind of slow paced. And I get really excited when a car would blow up or there'd be a, <laughs> at a tense scene or shootout or like, yeah. yeah, a sex scene would come up and I'd be scandalized but like intrigued. Yeah. And then later I'd find out, oh, that's a very, you know, important and very well-made movie. And I go, oh man, I didn't appreciate it, but I did but appreciate I it, it on the level of, <laughs> you know, what I came you show for. up sometimes and you get what you came for. And that's, it just made well, me think why... about that. And it made me think about like, that is important <laughs> to some extent. Well, like that stuff is important. That's what's, it's kind of, this may sound kind of weird and, but like, mm, and I think that's it. why people watch like horror movies or why they watch like exploitation films or like shit like that where you're like kind of the 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 gritty scummy parts of like the film world that you know i mean not today you know high critics do praise a lot of like grindhouse shit but like the scummy stuff that is advertised like you're gonna get nudity you're gonna get some violence and you're gonna get Mm -hmm. some like something else weird and you sit your ass down you're like all right this is what I came for. And then you get exactly what you came yeah. for. Maybe like a few other things. And there's something so delightful for it. It's it's like Mexican food, right? Like Mexican food, <laughs> it has all the same ingredients. It's just prepared a lot of different ways. So like 
that's for some reason the thing that I think about when I think about movies like this. Where you're like, I'm hearing furious typing from our two two listeners that are like, Mexican food isn't all the same. No, How okay, dare you? it's <laughs> not. No, okay, it's not all the same. But it's, but it's. it's but you the know what I mean, though, right? Like staples. Yeah, it's exactly. like here are these elements, and you can do the thing that you can always do, which you can oversimplify it down to a sentence that sounds stupid, like. Oh, this is just about sex and violence, and it's just about you know people in suits driving cars and like guys shooting at each other and naked women and that kind of things. And yeah, like, yeah, cool. yes, yes, it is. That's, like, that's exactly what absolutely. it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the best part, though, is like, especially when you, like when you watch a lot more movies. Like, there's some movies that I watch where like I'll watch it for the nudity. If I'm being completely honest. I will watch it for Yeah, I've been watching your letterbox and occasionally things will pop up and I'm like, hmm. Well, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I have been watched, like a lot of the Giallo, like Italian horror, it just nudity mm-hmm. is a part of that genre. So like it's just there. Uh, yeah, all it's just the a time. Um, but you watched a, what was that, a Gaspar? What, what's no the director's Gaspar. name? No Gaspar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No Noel Gaspar. Gaspar. I saw that movie and I was like, Mm, okay, have a, that movie you have a is kinky morning there, Dylan? stressful, man. No, I, I watched it because it was like, it's about this dance troupe who goes out to this like place in the yeah. woods or whatever, and then they have this crazy drug trip. Just yeah. really stressful. I don't really want to talk. That about one was. It. I feel like <laughs> no, I know that one had a bit more going for it. I mean, did you? Did you I watched ever turn love. on? Uh, I watched. Yeah, love. love. It's like porn it, it movie. Yeah, starts off with yeah, just porn, which I which, mean, it's actually really beautiful. It, it was an interesting question. <laughs> like for me, that bridging that gap was this kind of thing where. You know, people people gasp and they and they kind of talk about or like when Nymphomaniac came out and it started yeah. this whole conversation about like what's okay to show on the big screen, and there was part of me that was like, Everything. okay, well we're all watching this on our laptops <laughs> yeah. and our phones anyway. So what does it matter? So yeah. so what does it matter? Like there there is kind of this sense of guys, we've been doing this for over a century now. Like you think that yeah. we have come around to the fact that. What is the difference? Like, why are we like tiptoeing, and why are we doing these different things? I'm not saying every movie has to have like no, 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 yeah, obviously. And I'm not, not saying no, that no. every movie needs like horrendous violence, but it's no, always no. funny when the conversation comes back up and people are gasping over things or various pearls yeah. being clutched, and it's kind of like in, in relax, dude, like fucking chill. Like we're, we're I doing think this that's again? like the thing that I kind of liked about Love. This is a bit of a tangent, but it was. The more I watched it, you know, the, the first few scenes are a little titillating. You know, you're like, okay, hey, sex. But then yeah. as you watch it, like, it's just sex. Like, the more that you see it, the more you're like, oh, these are just two people having sex. It's not, I'm not yeah, like, like just, getting off to this. It's just kind of like, yeah, we this were, is we just like, this is a movie about sex. That's fine. Why is that so weird? Well, and then there's interesting aspects that sort of come into it because of that, where. Like we were talking about Looper and we were, we were talking a little bit about nudity in movies and when it mm. feels natural and when it feels forced. And I think the conclusion we kind of came to was, is this a scenario where realistically you would be naked? And then for me and a lot of it is as well, the camera as, you know. The gaze. that The gaze, thank you, yes. Yeah. So basically like how are we forced to approach this and for looper it was this very neutrally staged scene of they're in a brothel 
and the one character is just in her underwear and it's yeah. like makes sense they're in a brothel yeah she <laughs> thinks that this is what they're about makes to do sense. like yeah. it entirely makes sense or you know if a yeah. character is changing or various other things i think there's this very old haze code sort of puritanical moralistic side of everyone who watches movies in america at least that when someone's getting naked there's a little piece of it that piece of us that's like oh this is meant to be you know titillating Titillating. it's meant to be sexual and in a weird way when i see people just casually being naked i'm so stoked that it's casual but there's also part of me that responds to it because i'm like oh nudity because for me that was like this we've been trained not necessarily exactly not necessarily normalized right and i know that varies from like household to household and other things but like just that coming up, there's kind of this sense in my head of like, oh, oh, snap. So bridging well, back to yeah. um, the movie, his his wife spends almost the entire movie but <laughs> just, just like yeah. completely naked. <laughs> Running around um, naked everywhere. Yeah. Totally. And I was trying to figure out like, I don't know. I... I was trying to wrap my head around this. Like, uh, apart from what we were just talking about, like nudity in movies, I was trying to figure yeah. out what was being said or what was being posited or what was being. She's you know. just a sex maniac. I think that's literally it. She's just a sex Sweet. maniac. Like, that's what I got from it is it's just like she, sure. like, she uh, was yeah, fucking like, him. She was fucking his boss. Like, she just wanted to have sex. Like, that's all that or, I got. Yeah. From or it. like, she, like, that's how she wields her power like i'm sure we could get well you know, that's college I mean, class on it and try yeah, to like I don't figure think out that's... those sorts of things but that's a, that's where i landed well if you want to analyze it i think you could say that she is like a hyper uh a hyper representation of women in yakuza movies or women in james bond movies right mm-hmm. you you could sure. say all the nudity is you know specifically to poke fun at james bond and other mm-hmm. yakuza movies but yeah. I just, well, and I don't know. I see nudity now and I'm another, like, yeah, they're naked. <laughs> totally. There's another aspect that, especially with this, one, genre I don't know that much about. Two, it's coming from Japanese cinema in the 60s. So it's this culture that I'm less familiar with, whose morals and standards I'm less familiar with. So I'm watching it. And I don't even know if the version we're watching is a later cut that is uncensored or if this is what originally aired in theaters so i'm not even I think sure this is what originally aired maybe right so i don't even know but um i like to know those things because i'm just curious about culture and i'm curious like did they have their own version of the Hayes code were they because you know they have this wildly different mm-hmm. roots to their art that we do and yeah you know you can trace our shit back to the fucking pilgrims but with Japanese cinema, I have no idea. So that was yeah. running through my head too, where I was thinking, is this some kind of statement about, you know, um, the suppression of like women's sexuality or things like that? And I have no answers yeah. for it. But my brain I, goes to those places where I yeah. think like, especially in the case of the femme fatale character, which I kind of put in quotes, she's She was dope though. I liked her a lot. She was pretty Well, rad. and I read something to that that actress was drawn to the role and drawn to this character who has this like dark death wish and just kind of doesn't give a shit because at the time she was casted and filmed this 
she was mm-hmm. like deep in a depression and was like, sweet, Whoa. this resonates with me. Which... Well, I mean, and if you look at it, she she's in control all the time. Oh, yeah. Like she is in control movie. of every yeah. single bit of that until, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, I love you. And she's like, bitch, no, I just want you to kill me <laughs> at the perfect time. Yeah. You know, like, and that part is like, that's pretty rad. I mean, there's a lot of like, I don't know. There's just a lot of fun. But there's fun agency stuff. there. There's of, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of agency there. And, you know, it's interesting. There, There's a lot of filmmakers that I read that were inspired by this movie. Jim Jarmusch, Quentin Tarantino. I feel like Quentin Tarantino is totally. a pretty obvious one. You can kind of definitely see that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's super fun, man. I, I, re- <laughs> I really yeah. love this movie. And I'm going to watch a lot of his other movies. Um, so I'm really psyched to, like, get into that world and just check it all out. Cause there's, he's made a lot of other fucking movies. So, uh, before we move on, do you have anything else? Because I feel like we should get into the frames because that's kind of what's really incredible about this movie. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I've said everything I can about the original film. It's baffling. It's beautiful. It's, it, it screams of, for me, it screams to this like deeper, quality that I just don't know enough about to comment on. Like, I don't know enough mm-hmm. about the genre. I don't know enough about the culture. Yeah. I don't know enough about the filmmaker. Like it's, I'm so fresh and new to this that I watch it and I'm just kind of in awe of the shit. I don't know. Um, that's what's so exciting. That's what's so exciting when you find, I, uh, there's so many fucking movies out there and like, it makes me so excited when I do finally watch these movies and I'm like, man, there is so much more out there totally. to be inspired by. And it, like, it's never going to end. I, yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've felt like that recently where every movie I don't watch, you know, I can boil it down to, I've been thinking a lot recently about, you know, how much other people's opinion of a movie, even if I've seen that movie, I forget what I was watching yesterday, mm-hmm. but I had something on and... I was thinking to myself, wow, this is so much better. Jojo Rabbit. I was watching Jojo Rabbit, and I was like, wow, this is really fucking funny. I really like this. This is very well done. Yeah. And and I thought back, and I was like, well, when I watched it the first time, I thought it was fucking awesome. What? Why am I surprised? And it's because since then, I've kind of just... It's probably me. Yeah, it's a little bit of you. But it's just every... I was a little lukewarm But it's everyone else's opinions you know, washing over my opinion of it and then my original memories just getting more and more faded yeah. until it's at the point where that subverts my actual opinion of it and I have to go back and refresh that opinion. I say all that to say there's so many movies I haven't even touched and I haven't even experienced that have this depth to them, have these stories and have, you know, the stories of the production and everything else. I mean, fuck, that's why we're doing this, right? That's why we're talking about this stuff because we're barely scratching the surface of movies in general and culture in general. But I love that. Like, I love that feeling of going, Oh shit. Like <laughs> there's I so much no more about yeah, just the any tip of, of the iceberg. There's so much more this. It, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, frames. How many frames do you have? How many frames did you pick? Mm, uh, one, two, three, four, four or five. Okay. I think I have, 22. I have six. I have six frames. Um, Not bad. Okay. 
Do you want me to hit this first? Or you want to go first? Yeah, you seem excited. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, the first one that I had was his introduction. The guy with the sunglasses and the chipmunk cheeks. Just a great shot of him. It's like pretty yeah, iconic. It it's pretty iconic. Uh, yeah, hey. it just looks really <laughs> rad. There's one really dope shot. I, I can't remember specifically when it happens, but he's looking through this window out at the waterfall. Um, and he, there's like light shining through, and he's just peeking through the window. It's incredibly mm. beautiful. Um, and then one of my favorites, I think it might be the one, um, but I, I will reserve the right to change it later. When he, I have a feeling you picked this one too, but when he peeks the door open and points the gun out, and there's smoke everywhere, and he's shooting at the guys in the first like big action sequence, super oh, no. rad. That's a great shot, though. It's a dope shot. Um, I got a wide of the car when he breaks down for the first time. Just a pretty, pretty nature shot. The car's right in there. Super nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he very angrily flags someone down and they stop for him and he just jumps right in. <laughs> and the shot right after that, it's the profile of uh, Misako. And she says, like, I, I dream yeah. to die. My dream is to die. My dream is to die. And that shot yeah. is like so, so awesome. Um, and then the last one is him sitting up against that like courthouse brick wall and she's walking down the steps and they're having this really mm-hmm. quiet, intimate conversation. Um, man, I, I'm having a hard time picking one. Uh, well, I'll start there. Because you start, my, yeah. One of my frames was that shot of them with him around the corner and it's just so cool looking and it's... yeah feels good and that moment like we said it's so funny because you they're they're talking and a voice is barely above a whisper and then it cuts back and they're so far away and your brain goes wait wait, wait. and then what? another <laughs> delighted part of your brain goes yes yes <laughs> yes it makes no sense it's wonderful <laughs> i love it um so that's pretty great um i have two shots through the sniper scope through the uh, the rifle scope, rather. Oh, nice. Um, one of just the eye, like just an eyeball with the crosshairs right on the pupil. Um, yeah. And then another shot of uh, Misco, was that her name? Uh, with the target, with the foreign, what's his Oh, face? yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I was very That's taken rad. by those. It kind of, and I mean, you see so many of those shots now where it's kind of through this scope and I'm, it just made me curious of whether or not this was one of the earliest examples of that. Um, I really like interesting thing to find. Yeah. Right. Um, I really liked, uh, the picture of the butterfly or the moth, whatever it is on the rifle flying away right after it's fucked up the assassination, which I (laughs) thought was very funny. Um, and then my last one was just the final shot of the empty boxing ring. Because I just, oh yeah, it, especially with that with that dark background, it looks so powerful and so empty and so lit, and those lines are just great. So that's so dope. Well, um, I don't know. I do. You, have you narrowed I've, yours down? I've picked one. I think I'm gonna go with okay. uh, the profile of Misoko when she says, "My dream is to die." But when you draw it, you have to draw it with the subtitle. Also, it has to be with okay. the. My dream is to die, like, period. I, yeah, I was curious how we were going to handle that because a couple of mine have the uh, subtitles. I think it'd be cool. I think it would be cool to do it with the subtitle. 
don't yeah, know. Cause it is the I first like foreign it. film we've done. Yeah. 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 Um, um, Oh man, I, I feel like I'm going to regret this cause it's going to be tricky to draw, but I, I really like the courthouse shot. That's so dope. Um, yeah. I'm really glad you picked that one. I'm going to do that. It's very geometric. I like all the lines, so I'm going to go with yeah. that. Yeah. Rad. Um, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, the Fool. Heart on there. I'm going to kick this one off. I feel like it's hard to not pick the guy who plays uh, Kanata, the main character, because the look Kanata. with the sunglasses is so iconic. It's very cool. He has a very unique face. Um, he, he's really just bonkers in this. funny. So <laughs> Joe... Shishido, who played him, was in. He was in over three hundred projects over his career. Wow. Um, he was. Yeah. He was known Working for his man. intense portrayal of yakuza characters, as well as his artificially enlarged cheeks, for which oh, he underwent what? surgery in 1957. Yo. <laughs> so, I thought he had shit like in his mouth. I thought he was like packing stuff. I I thought so too. So I read that early on that he had artificially enlarged cheeks, and I thought he just went like Al Pacino or fucking uh, Brando. Sorry, and you know some cotton going or whatever. But no, dude, no. surgery, nineteen fifty-seven. He actually wow. just died in January of twenty twenty at what? age eighty-six. Wow, that's yeah, incredible. Born in the thirties. I wonder what his cheeks looked like when he got older. Oh man. They're like perfectly preserved and the rest of them <laughs> yeah. is just saggy as hell. Yeah. Ooh, Who knows? Weird. Um Who knows, man. He was That's, my favorite yeah. character. I could also make a case for uh Masoko, but who knows? I, I think I think the main character, he's the guy. Yeah. I really like the moment where uh number one just dead ass pissed himself and it like ran out of his <laughs> pants leg. <laughs> And Hanada was like, what the fuck? What like, the you, fuck? you actually did it. You actually just peed. Um, I, you know what? I got some vibes thinking about it now. That whole sequence with the hitmen, um, they're mm-hmm. both in the hotel and they've latched arms. They've, they've come to a gentleman's agreement where like, they'll yeah. go out, they'll take breaks, they'll sleep. It reminded me a lot now, thinking about it, of in Bruges and the scene with Ray fuck, Fiennes. I knew you were going to say and, that. And, yes, uh, absolutely. And Colin Farrell when they're like yes. in the hotel and they're about they to shoot each agreement. other. Yeah, totally. and the the yeah. pregnant like hotel lady is like, "Don't fucking do well, this and here." And he's even, like, "All right, uh, we'll give each other a five second head start." <laughs> sure. Even before that, with Brendan Gleeson's character talking to uh, Ray Fine's character and being like, "Yeah, you can't let you do it. Like, you know, <laughs> you're not gonna kill the boy." <laughs> and just like them going to the top of this tower to kill each other, knowing that someone, if if not both of them, are going to die. And yeah. just this absurd adherence to honor and rules and things like yeah. that, which makes characters so much more interesting in, yeah. in anything. Because they right? can't like just Ray do Fiennes, whatever they want. Bad guy. Exactly. Like he's way more interesting because he's so principled and because he's so infuriated when somebody breaks those principles that he's like, well, of course we have to fucking kill him like he broke the rules like he shot a kid you know like broke the fucking rules so. yeah <laughs> god I love that movie incredible. knew you would say that too as soon as he started talking I was like ah yeah, um, man I just I couldn't know yeah I think it's Joe Shishido's Hanada hell yeah this was awesome I'm glad I'm glad we get finally got to watch this um, well so then we did a movie. my question is 
do we do a samurai movie next or do we do a straight actual yakuza Yakuza movie movie? (laughs) like do we Um, need to do you feel the need to are we just doing like a japan head-to-head i mean we could if you want to i mean i'm curious uh to be to be determined. Um, I was literally about yeah, just TBD. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure <laughs> it out. We will decide in our arbitrary way. I'm literally googling best Yakuza movie. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, yes. this is an interesting one. Um, again, apologies for butchering all of these names. Seriously, uh, we're really I, sorry. I try to be better about that, but frankly, I've been real busy and i meant to look up all of these and put them through google translate and like practice okay. them and i just ran out of time it's so, okay henry yeah. it's all right but yes I'll thank you everyone thank you for for coming along on our journey um mm-hmm. and make sure to tune in next week also make sure if you haven't listened to it yet check out our I see dead movies episode that we did mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna be doing more of those we did speed racer it's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're listening to this, you probably already listened to that. So disregard. <laughs> um, <laughs> but look forward. Um, if you want to watch the next one, we're going to be watching Ryan Johnson's Brothers Bloom. Yes. is a personal favorite of mine. Um, you've probably heard the intro for the I See Dead Movies show itself. But uh, we watch the flops. We watch movies that either didn't make their money back or weren't as well received when they were released. Uh, what makes our show different is we're actually really interested in the story behind why they flopped um, and we like kind of giving movies a fair shake we enjoy enjoying movies so rather than bashing the films we Mm -hmm. try to actually you know see them for what they are and see if they were just ahead of their time or you know what what caused it to collapse on itself doesn't mean we don't make fun of them as well but it's, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rad homies. We will see you all next time. <laughs> Sayonara. Sayonara. What's what's goodbye in Japanese? Uh, sayonara. Is it sayonara? Oh, fuck. <laughs> That's my story. Sayonara. Sorry. <laughs> Lord. All right.